This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill. Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law is away spending some time with his family. I think he's actually at the airport. And if he is, he could listen to our show on the MPB Public Media app. We'd like to welcome one of our guests this morning. It's Adam Kilgore, General Counsel of the Mississippi Bar. How are you today, Adam? I'm good. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, pinch hit for Professor Gershon. I only hope I can live up. Well, we uh, appreciate and thank you for agreeing to be on In Legal Terms with us. We'd, uh, can you introduce our yes, guest? Yes, please. We have uh, Kate Margolis, uh, who is an attorney here in Jackson uh, for the Bradley Law Firm. She's been with them for 15 years. Her primary focus is on is insurance, and she'll be talking about cyber insurance today, which I think is going to be a topic that will be uh, a matter of first impression for uh, most all of us listening today. Uh, also, on a, a personal note, Kate and I were disc jockeys back in college uh, about 100 years ago for me, but I think it was only about 10 10 years ago for you, Kate. <laughs> uh, this is her first time to be on the air in a very long time. That's part of the reason why I invited her, because I knew she could do, she could roll with it and do well. Uh, Kate, we're very glad to have you today. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here with both of you today. Um, and it hasn't been that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kate, we wanted to talk today about cyber crimes. I guess a lot of cyber crimes aren't they aren't punished legally, but um, you've worked with insurance with businesses that have insurance to protect against cyber crimes. Is that right? That's right. Um, I think everybody knows that uh, risks related to our computers and hackers getting our personal information in our computers is something we all face. And uh, I look forward to talking about that with you today. Well, let's go ahead and start with what are some of the nefarious Various uh, or accidental problems that are associated with cyber theft or data loss. I guess two. Let's start with the entity that is maintaining the cyber data, and it gets lost or corrupted or stolen. What uh, what does that company uh, or an individual who holds that information? Uh, what are some? Uh, what are some problems that they associate have? Sure. Uh, well, if there's one thing that I'd like to get across today is that everybody faces cyber risks, from, uh, in particular businesses. And it could even be a small business or an in-home business. Anybody, any business, large or small, that holds the personal information, we're talking name, social security numbers, credit card numbers, addresses, that kind of thing, of other people, needs cyber insurance. 
that's because it can be incredibly expensive if your uh, data on your computer or in your computer system is compromised. There are a lot of things that uh, you're required to do. There are state and federal laws that uh, require certain responses to a data breach. You may remember the Equifax data breach from uh, from last year, uh, and lots of people, millions of people, were provided credit monitoring and places where they could be kept up to date uh, about uh, the credit, about, about the breach, and that cost a lot of money. Um, I'm sure Equifax had cyber insurance. I hope so. But the 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 uh, knowledge that every business needs cyber insurance has not filtered down so much to medium to small businesses. Well, what t- go, remind us of some of these schemes and attempts to get data if to businesses, but then also happen to individuals. Right. Well, I think everybody's heard the term phishing, where you'll get uh, an email or, or some other contact, maybe even by phone, requesting information, wanting you to provide information that could then be used to um, to open an account in your name or all of these schemes are to get money I mean that's the bottom line um, and but one of the uh, one of the most uh, commonly used schemes these days is what's called social engineering if a hacker or a criminal can get just some little piece of personal information about you they will use that in their contact with you to make you feel like they are a trusted source and get you to provide even more information or access to a file uh, that they could then exploit. And I had a recent example myself. Um, this was back in the summer. It was late in the day. I was tired. And I, right before I got in the car to get home, I glanced at my my iPhone and I saw an email that I thought was from one of my partners in the law firm uh, asking me if I could do him a favor. And, you know, I responded really quickly, yes, you know, yes, what, what is it? And then it came back, could you go down to Walgreens and buy uh, an Amazon card for me, $200 worth? Then I immediately thought that that is not the kind of request that I would get from one of my partners. And and sure enough, if I looked, when I looked closely, I saw that the email was, it was similar to the email of my colleague, but it was a little bit different. This morning, we're talking about cyber crimes and insurance and cyber loss. If you have any questions or you want to warn the world with something, we would love for you to call in and participate. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You could also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We have a personal one in our family. My mother-in-law gets a call this summer, and you know she can't quite hear, oh, uh, Grandma, help me. Uh, I've been in a car accident. The other person was pregnant, and uh, I have to, I'm at the, at the jail, and I need you to send some money. And, you know, she, or, you know, maybe it started just with, Grandma, I need your help. And my mother-in-law's thinking and says out loud, Katie? Yes, my name is Katie. You know, the person picks up on that. And, you know, then the as the story goes along, my mother-in-law figured out, well, 
why would Katie call me? This wouldn't happen in our family situation. There are other avenues uh, she would have, uh, if, if, if her granddaughter were needing help, there were other avenues. And so, you know, she realized it wasn't and, and just hung up. Adam, have you been involved at what? Uh, tell us a scams that uh, you've heard about. Well, I've, I've heard uh, about them from uh, more of a professional setting, um, and, and I'm about to mention that in a second. But I think the thing that we're tapping into right now that is so important, Kate, you just mentioned at the end of the day, you have a, a, a relative, your mother-in-law, who obviously that button, button's pushed on, oh, my gosh, there's something going on. I need to pay attention to this. And it's that vulnerability that we have. It, I, I know of, of a situation uh, in my work at the Mississippi Bar where an attorney uh, does real estate work and they, they have a lot of money coming in and out and they have a transaction from an, from a country, uh, you know, some, a client from another country and it is a business model where sometimes you get business just view, by way of email. You don't ever actually see the client. There are plenty of businesses, certainly practice law as, as, as a part of that. Um, this person is extremely diligent on how they manage their funds in their law firm and they almost got duped and they know what they're doing. And you're, so that vulnerability that we have, whether it's fatigue, whether it's fear for a family member, um, or just in the normal course of business when you're doing what you're supposed to do, and it does take those little triggers, those little things, that's not the way that person would be speaking to me. Um, you know, it, this is something we try to monitor at the Mississippi Bar for our lawyers and, and send out scam emails. We could send one out every day, probably. Instead, we try to pick the big ones and go, okay, everybody seems to be getting an email from us that's not really us, uh, those kind of things. But, Kate, I assume you've seen it in, in a, a, a lot of different forms. And have you, have you looked at one and go, wow, I would have succumbed to that one, too, probably? Well, I mean, I think it's, I mean, any of these could could uh, we could fall prey to any of these because uh, they these hackers and criminals exploit our human nature. We uh, Liz, when we were talking earlier, you mentioned you know people want to be nice when you get an email. We want to be helpful, and especially when the uh, criminal has some little bit of personal information uh, that to, to that makes a contact with you. And we also feel like we have to respond right away when we're asked for something. If there's one thing that another thing that I'd like to get across today is nobody is required to give personal information uh, over the phone and be stingy with your personal information. Um, Businesses understand because they're getting hit with this all the time. Liz, you were telling me earlier about a legitimate call that you got from somebody at your bank in connection with a loan, but they asked for some personal information, but you were wise enough to say, uh, I don't feel comfortable giving that over the phone and that's perfectly okay and and that's why businesses ha- uh, need need cyber insurance that's our human fallibility is is what keeps these schemes going well, we're going to be talking about that uh, for the rest of the show. We want to remind our listeners, Money Talks on last week on October 29th, our guest was Bridget Wiggins, Director of the Attorney General's Consumer Protection Division. It, we talked about elder financial abuse, and she recommended the AG's website, uh, the Victims and Scams tab, that has a list of all sorts of scams that you should be wary of. So if you'd like some some more information. We'll have that website on our website. 
But we're going to continue our discussion about cyber loss and cyber crimes after the break. If you have a question about these laws or practices, give us a call. Our number is one 877 mpb ring That's one 877 672 7464. You could also send us an email, legalterms at mpbonline.org. And where are these losses coming from with cyber incidences? We'll tell you up next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. Not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show in legal terms dot mpbonline.org it's also available on the mpb public media app as are all our local shows i'm liz gill i'm joined today by adam kilgore general counsel of the mississippi bar and kate margolis an attorney with the firm of bradley this morning we're talking about cyber losses and according to net diligence and its seventh annual cyber claims study of the insurance industry hackers were identified as the most common cause of loss, followed by malware and viruses, and then ransomware, cyber extortion, and then staff mistakes. So most of it is intentional. So we'd love to have you be a part of our show if you have a question or a comment. Let's talk about, you know, different ways that uh, uh, your data could be exposed in it, that is being held for a company they could i guess they could go about it electronically it could be an accident or viruses what are some other ways well most as you said most of it is intentional um there hackers can if they get access to your system they can encrypt your files that that's called uh, ransomware uh, and then require uh you to pay a ransom in order to get your files back i i, I can't remember the name of the hospital but there was a big hospital, I believe, in California uh, that got hit with that. And a hospital cannot operate without its medical records. And and that is something that uh, cyber insurance can cover, can cover the ransom. And they can cover the expense of having a negotiator who's trained to deal with criminals uh, negotiate that. But from the insurance company's point of view, I can't... How can you trust someone who's holding your data for ransom that even if you pay them, they return it? Yeah, you know, I think um, I have not researched how many um, ransomware situations are unsuccessful. Um, I've heard about the successful ones. You know, it is a tricky situation because if you reward a criminal with money like that, uh, you, you think that the chances are that they'll try it again, but um, it's it's a risk that businesses face, and uh, they can't and businesses can't operate without their records. Um, so it's something that insurers are willing to pay for uh, if, for a premium. Now, you know, the good news is uh, there's lots of. Uh, 
competition for cyber risk coverage. Uh, the downside of that, that there is no standard coverage like you would see in an auto policy. Most people's auto policies have the similar language. Um, I think there is some standardization going on, but basically insurance will cover all the different things, including uh, a ransom uh, that you could face. I mean, a, a, the bigger uh problem that most businesses face would be probably loss of data and insurance for example could would pay for restoring that data and uh, if that data that was stolen was used to uh, to scam somebody else and that person would come back to you and say you, you didn't hold my information securely then the insurance could pay for your defense and any liability that you owe to that person um, it's it's there's really a wide range of ways that um, that businesses can be exposed you know, last segment Kate you you mentioned about almost Every business, small, medium-sized businesses included, need to be thinking about this. I've been racking my brain while we're visiting today, uh, other than maybe some folks that do some kind of cash business where they're, you know, landscape work or, or something akin to that, almost every business is going to have, at a minimum, access to a credit card. That's right. That's right. And the um, the credit card industry has very strict uh, contractual guidelines that uh, businesses have to agree agree to in order to use credit cards, and that can be incredibly expensive. If you have a data breach and credit card information is lost, um, then that that business is responsible for notifying all of its customers or uh, who's data was lost. Have to, you have to pay fines. Um, there's just a host of things that businesses have to do and, and that, that are to help we us consumers when our information is lost. So what about, uh, uh, I'm sure we have a few listeners that maybe don't participate much in technology. They've made a decision. You're, you're, you're saying we're cyber theft, uh, a virus is spam, phishing, which is spelled with a PH. You know, th- these are things they may not be wanting to participate in, uh, and their phone is the most basic phone in the world. They don't have any other data. Are they protecting themselves by not participating in the technology, or are they just as vulnerable as you and I? Well, they are protecting themselves. In fact, it's really fascinating to me to see, you know, in our lifetime how computers have basically become so integral to everybody's life that we depend on them. And uh, But now I'm hearing advice from people who are in the security industry, uh, people who help businesses secure their data through different software and hardware and programming and firewalls and that kind of thing. They're saying if you really want something to be truly safe, use paper. We're talking about going back to paper records in order to be truly safe from cyber crime. But someone can still get access to their social security number right. and, and, and wreak havoc. And o- they could over still the phone. be... Yeah. yeah. Okay. We are talking today with Kate Margulis. She is an attorney here in Jackson with uh, the firm of Bradley and has specialized in cyber insurance that's mostly used for businesses to help cover losses and to deal with cyber crime. But if it can happen to a business, it can happen to individuals also. If you would like to participate with our show, we would love for you to give us a call one eight seven seven. MPB ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two 
888-789-7464. We can take your questions, or you could send an email, legalterms at mpbonline.org. Sometimes you do have to protect yourself against cyber theft with cyber uh, possibilities. What are some things individuals and businesses can do? What are some softwares that they need to make sure are up to date to help uh, prevent them from hackers or loss? Well, just um, as individuals, there are lots of things you can do. Uh, identity theft, of course, is a, is a huge issue, and that affects people, more individuals, having your uh, identity theft, uh, somebody getting your personal information and uh, opening an account or uh, getting access to your funds through, uh, through use of the information. Uh, but uh, there are things that, that you can do. Uh, as we said earlier, just say no when it comes to a request for personal information uh, over the phone or over your email. And this includes your role as an employee wherever you work, uh, whether it be for a state government or business or city or who the flower shop. Um, be careful um, when you respond to a request by email or by phone for for. Uh, Access to business information that you may be may be responsible for. Um, you, you've probably heard a lot of these tips. Um, passwords are huge. You want to make sure that you have a very strong password. And, you know, I have to admit, you know, there's passwords for everything. And it's so aggravating to have to have a different password for all these different websites. I'm one of those people who shops on the web. But you might want to have just a separate email that you only that you use for a one-time purchase on, an, on a website that you only use that one time, say, to get socks. You wouldn't want to use the same uh, password for that as you do for your bank account. You know, and even I've heard the suggestion that for these security questions you get um, when you're trying to make your password safe, for example, what's your mother's maiden name, you may want to make up something memorable, but that's, that's false because if once a hacker gets the maiden name, they can use that to piece together uh, other information. All right. Well, we do have a call. Let's go to Bob in Brandon. Bob, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms. Go ahead. Yes, I'm enjoying your show, too, very much. I, I listen quite frequently. But let me ask you a question. Does a virtual private network provide any security? Um, you know, it may. It may. Um, I have to admit, I am not an expert on the technology side, and there are plenty of experts in our area who specialize in the types of networks and programs and software and things you can put in place to make your data more secure. Um, so I'm not certain. As I understand it, uh, if you have a VPN, as they call it, uh, all the stuff that you do going over the Internet is 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 encoded and you are you're you're showing a source of another city or another country so it's very difficult for somebody to trace you back and i just wondered if that would help would help with personal stuff 
I think it probably would. Um, you would want to uh, ask somebody who has more technological knowledge than I do, but I think you're exactly right. For example, I can, when, when I'm away from my law office, for example, at home, I can get onto my desktop at work. It's through a virtual network, and I have a VPN that I use exactly to access right. that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I appreciate you thinking about it, and I'm still listening. Oh, thank thank you, you, Bob. We're so glad that you are. We're going to take our next break of the show, but we would love for to hear about you. And if you want to be part of our show, we're talking about cyber crime, cyber losses, cyber insurance. Please give us a call one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven. 672-7464 with your questions. You could also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. How fast are cyber crimes growing? We'll tell you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. We hope you'll subscribe to our podcast. Now, there's many different podcasting platforms if you have an Android. If you have Apple, it comes installed on your phone. I happen to like Podcast Addict. I downloaded it to my phone, and then I can touch the plus, and it'll take me to a page to search for podcasts. Then I can type in in legal terms in the search area it brings up this show and then i'm able to touch the photo of it and subscribe then i can be notified when any new episodes are loaded up i'm liz gill my regular co-host professor gershon is richard gershon is out today this morning we're talking about cyber crime cyber loss with our guests adam kilgore general counsel of the mississippi bar and kate margolis an attorney with the firm bradley i asked question earlier today or early in the last break ransomware damages rose 15 times in two years to hit five billion dollars in 2017 and ransomware attacks are growing more than 350 percent annually that's according to Cyber Insure One and Veronix. If you have a question or want to participate in our show, we would love for you to call in with us today. If you are damaged with a cyber attack or a cyber threat, what can you do? Well, if you're after that, you know, yeah. after we, we, if you have cyber insurance, that can help you if you're already prepared. If you're not, if you don't have that, what are some things uh, a business or an individual could do after the fact? 
Right. Well, uh, it's it's probably a little different from it for an individual in a business, but you, lots of things happen to have to happen quickly. So one of the things, one of the benefits that uh, additional benefits that cyber insurance provides to businesses is they have uh, experts at the ready to come in because you've got to act quickly. If if there's been a data breach, you want to stop. Uh, you want to stop the breach as soon as possible, correct the problem, which may involve uh, getting into your computer system and finding out, they call it forensics, uh, forensic computer experts, find out where the uh, breach was. And it could have been, for example, you know, an employee who inadvertently opened an attachment to an email that sent a virus out that, re- uh, that corrupted information or released files. Um, So you need your team of experts to come in and get it stopped as soon as possible um, and of course and report it. You would uh, report it. If if it's a crime, you would report it to um, your local authorities or any other regulatory agency that, you know, that oversaw whatever the issue was. For example, if it was a credit card breach. Um, And for business, you know, any, every time, as when you're shut down and not able to operate because your computer system is down, you're going to lose money. So that you have to. That's something that cyber insurance can cover as well. And we were talking um, earlier just about how computers are involved in almost every part of our lives, and so wherever there's a computer, there's a possibility of a hack. And um, the best thing you can do, as one of our listeners suggested a little while ago, is make sure you have your systems in place uh, to protect yourself as best best you can from a hack, and then to respond quickly when it happens. Keep your antivirus software up to date. Yes, for when you when you are requested to update your software, that's important because it usually contains the latest um, security to address the ever changing threats. Um, the, the attacks are constant. Um, I mean, probably 24-7, honestly. (laughs) One of my factoids I have um, is there are around 24,000 malicious mobile apps blocked every day. That's a lot of people spending a lot of time for nefarious and uh, criminal reasons. Yes, and uh, even though the security industry and people are becoming more knowledgeable about protecting themselves, it still works, and so that's why they are going to keep doing it, and we just have to uh, ratchet up our defenses. All right, well, we've got a call. We're going to go to Walter, who's calling from the road. Walter, drive carefully, but we're so glad you're listening to In Legal Terms. Go ahead. I have three situations. Um, The first one, uh, last year, I had an updated um, virus protection, and I I received this email from someone calling themselves um, Microsoft Windows, and they wanted to update my software. And somehow... I um, was trying to determine where they were from, and before I could, they had already um, crashed my computer. The second thing is that I uh, had rotator cuff surgery um, in in the summer, during the summer, and before I, I think within the next two days, 
they prescribed certain medications for me for pain. And before I knew uh, anything within that next two days, someone called me and asked if I needed to purchase the medication that was prescribed. I was, of course, you know, uh, could not believe that someone would call. How would they get my medical records that quick? And just a few minutes ago, I was listening to the show, and I go to the Mrs. Tiger's football game, and someone called me in reference to tickets. I couldn't determine how they got my number, uh, because I am on the road, and I only purchased tickets through the Memphis uh, Tiger organization. So it's really strange how quickly these things occur. I'm going to get off the phone and listen to what do you have to say. Thank you, Walter. Yeah, I, you know, Walter's given us three interesting examples. Uh, and by the way, Walter, congratulations on uh, Memphis this weekend. I know you're excited about uh, uh, beating previously unbeaten SMU. Uh, you know, but we, we've got these situations here. I can't help but think that third one might be just like a little bit of uh, along the lines of I've done a search on Google for a new jacket and then suddenly jackets start showing up in Facebook. Uh, you know, that, that may be that there. But these other two... You know that that Kate, that's got to be the scary thing. He he has updated his virus. It's not going to be 100 percent though, right? It's just going to be better than not having virus protection at all. And then he gets an email that that he believes led to a crash. That's right. You know, I think I think Walter, I actually received that same request. I have a kind of an old laptop. Um, I don't know. I, as I said, I'm not an expert on software, uh, but I. It, my computer crashed as well, and I've got a similar message asking that appeared to be from Microsoft asking for some information. Um, I, I'd say always trust your gut feeling on this kind of thing. It just didn't seem right. And especially, I think we have to be on our guard when it seems like we're getting a request from uh, an authority because they're part of the reason that these cyber crimes are successful. It's because they are successfully posing as authority figures, as your boss, as Microsoft. Um, so, yeah, no uh, security system is 100%. So we still have to be wary for those type of things. So I'll, I'll go look at my junk folder in my email on occasion, and there is so much stuff that has been blocked. And if I go a quick rundown, almost all of that, I would not be uh, vulnerable to accidentally opening something. But if it's something you care about, for me, I'm music. You know, I'm a music guy. I get an Apple Music email, and they're saying, "Hey, please update and re- redo this." That's something I care about. I'm not. Oh yeah, that looks just like it. I'm, I've almost done it before. That that's the continuing point. I think that we have to keep making this morning is even when you're on your guard, you're still a little vulnerable, and we don't want you being living life scared. But you got to be on your toes on these things, and you know about it, Kate, and you're vulnerable. Right, right. I mean, I think we all are. I mean, from from you know an executive at a Fortune 500 company to um, to, to the bakery down the street. Um, we're all susceptible to it, and uh, it, it is hard to believe it how widespread it is. But just again, think about how computers are so integrated into our lives. Um, so trust your gut if something does seem suspicious, and it's good to be suspicious. 
Um, it, it doesn't hurt to if, if somebody really legitimately needs some information, if it really is your bank asking for your Social Security number, they don't have to have it right that minute. If it, it really they can wait until they see you in person. Right. We're talking this morning about cybercrime with our guests, Adam Kilgore, General Counsel of the Mississippi Bar, and Kate Margolis, an attorney with the firm Bradley. We're talking about ransomware, malware, and what you can do to protect yourself. And if you are holding others' information, what you can do to protect other people's information. We'd love for you to give us a call, one 877 MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. As an individual, the businesses that have our information, you know, we they are encouraged to have cyber insurance. Um, in twenty sixteen, there were three billion Yahoo accounts that were hacked. In 2016, Uber reported that 57 million riders and drivers' information was hacked. And a lot of those businesses, they have the insurance just for this to help make an individual whole. What are some uh, things that you've seen that uh, insurance policies, cyber insurance policies, what can they do for the maybe the, the clients of businesses that whose data is lost? Right. Well, one of the th- things that uh, happens after a data breach is you need, as I said, a lot of experts to come in, find out what the problem is, and then maybe the company would set up a public relations team to communicate with the public and with the individuals whose information Information was compromised. A call-in number where you could call in to get information. Um, there, just I think every state now, as well as the the federal government, has different agencies have laws uh, that require uh, businesses to do certain things when they hold personal information. Um, if if you have a loss, if if a, a company who had your personal information uh, is hacked, loses that information, and it gets in the hands of a criminal who then uses it to scam you, or you're out of pocket because of that scam, then you can go back to the business and say, hey, you owe me for this because you allowed my information to, to get stolen. And hopefully that business has cyber insurance to cover that loss. The cyber insurance will act, can actually cover that amount the business has to pay to individuals who lose money because of the cyber breach. So in 2017, when Equifax was breached and 147 million customers' data was vulnerable, you know, maybe they dug down there and they found Adam's information or maybe they dug down and found mine, but you don't know. And that's why you need to monitor and uh, keep keep a check, keep a close eye read those statements to make sure that no hanky-panky is going on with any of your data information. That's right. That's an important thing that we as individuals can do is to monitor our accounts to uh, check for anything that seems out of the ordinary. All right. Well, we're going to take our last break of the show. We hope you'll call in with any questions you have about cybersecurity, cyber insurance. Our number is one 
877-672-7464. You could send us an email. It's legalterms at mpbonline.org. Today is an extremely important holiday in Mississippi. We're going to talk about what that is when we come back. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. In legal terms on MPB Think Radio. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show in legal terms. MPBonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill. Professor Richard Gershon will be back with us next week. Big reminder today. Today's a big holiday. It is the general election day in Mississippi. So rehearse in your mind when you can stop by your polling place. If you didn't if you didn't go by the school or the fire station or the church that you vote at on the way to work, can you do it at lunch? Maybe you could do it when you get off work. Our polls close at 7 p.m., but if you are in line at 7, they will still let you vote. If you notice any voting irregularities, you can uh, contact the circuit clerk's office in your county or the secretary of state's office for the state to let them know. If you are at a polling place and your name is not listed as a registered voter, but you think it is a your polling place, you can fill out a provisional ballot and they'll have it there until things can get investigated. But uh, you'll have you'll be able to cast your vote. We want to remind everyone that MPB News will have special coverage tonight beginning at 7 p.m. But right now, our our in legal terms show, we're talking with Adam Kilgore, Kilgore, general counsel of the Mississippi Bar, and Kate Margolis, an attorney with the firm of Bradley. We're talking about cyber crime and cyber theft and cyber losses. We have about eight minutes left. What are some things that we haven't gotten to that we need to mention on the show? You know, I think we've covered the main points, and uh, that is to consider the ways that your personal information are at risk, and um, especially for any business, no matter how small, who uh, has personal information of others, whether it be their uh, where they reside, um, other, their social security number, credit card numbers, date of birth, um, you need cyber insurance to because it's incredibly expensive to to respond when there's been a data breach and other people's uh, personal information is lost. It's a, if I'm a small business owner or a medium and I'm listening to this show today, I'm like, wow, I hadn't thought of this. 
and I'm thinking about, you know, how much is this going to cost? We're not going to ask you quotes today. Obviously, that's not your area. But can you pretty much go to any insurance agent and get a quote for this? And can it be affordable for someone that has a small business of three to five employees? Yeah, uh, you're right. I I can't I don't know about um, the the exact cost, but I do know that there is a lot of competition. You should be able to talk to any local agent or broker who can uh, find out what what insurers they can offer that that they work with but every insurer is getting into this because it's so needed and um it's something that will continue to be needed. So the good news is there is some competition. As I said, the forms are not standardized. So you want to make sure that your particular risks, for example, if you hold credit cards, you want to be sure to have coverage for any penalties or fines that the the big credit card issuers impose on you if there's a data breach. That's just one example. So there, uh, cyber insurance can cover a wide variety of different of different risks. So, and you made this point uh, earlier in the show, but just to confirm, what you're saying is, is, generally speaking, if you're going to get a quote for auto insurance, you're going to be covering these certain basic things. But when it comes to cyber insurance, because of its, you know, it's still a developing area, um, there's different flavors of coverage. Right. That's exactly right. Now, there are just there are some basic things that are covered. Uh, for example, for example, your expenses to restore your actual computer and your computer system and equipment. That's what you call a first party loss. That's you are the insured and you have that loss and you need some experts to come in and fix your computers as quickly as possible to get them up and running running and to stop the breach. So that could be covered. If some of the personal information of your customers or vendors for example is released and used uh, to the detriment of that person then that person, you or I, could come back to that business and say, hey, you owe me for this because this was stolen as a result of your data breach. Your insurance cover could, coverage could cover that. That's called third-party liability. That's a, an outside person's loss, but they're coming to you and say, you owe this. Uh, and if, if you weren't at fault, then the insurance company could pay for your defense if you end up in a, in a lawsuit about that. And you did mention earlier that it's okay to say no if someone asks for your information. A lot of forms may say, you know, put your Social Security number on it, but you could leave it blank. And then if they needed it, they could ask again or maybe tell you why they need it. That's right. Uh, I guess the the, uh, the watchword is to be cautious and take that extra step. Don't just accept an electronic or even a communication over the over the phone at face value when somebody is asking for your personal information. All right. We've been talking about uh, firewalls and uh, antivirus software. What are some personal things that an individual could do with their, with their uh, you know, we talked about paper, but shredding would be another thing to keep your personal information safe. Yes. Uh, I mean, as I think Adam earlier in the show was saying, even if you went all paper, you know, what if you lost a piece of 
of paper or uh, shredding would be uh, one way you could deal with it. Um, and shredding is superior to burning uh, because <laughs> not every piece of paper will burn. Oh, uh, right. You can actually, you know, people make piles. Some, we deal with this. Lawyers are, have, a, have an obligation to keep client files for a certain period of time. That has confidential information in it. And they will want to shred it, which can be expensive, and they may make a fire. Well, you better go through all of it and make sure every, all, every bit of it burned because there could be a Social Security number sitting right there. Yeah, so unfortunately, nobody is 100% safe, but uh, if we're cautious and uh, if we store others' uh, personal information, have cyber insurance, you're, you're, uh, and, and you have some personal protection for your personal computer, whether it be antivirus software or that kind of thing, I think the most one of the, our weaknesses in general is passwords, though. If you shop on the Internet like I do, I tend to use the same pa- – I mean, it's just you're aggravated to have to fool with the password at the time, but it's there to protect you, and you need to make your passwords unique. I so think, password is not a good password? No. Okay. No, it's, not. <laughs> uh, it's 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 a pain to have to go to these extra lengths, but as we've discussed today, it's important. It's important to protect your information because we're all under cyber attack. And one good way to find out some different types of attacks is the Mississippi Attorney General's website. On Money Talks last week, we had the director of the Attorney General's Consumer Protection Division talk about scams. We didn't get to mention some of the scams, but some of them that are on their website are credit card scams. The little security number on the back of your credit card, you need to not ever give out to anyone unless you contact them to make a purchase. Check scams. You know, it used to be everyone, you could, you carried your checks around with you and you could write out a check for someone, but now the checks have the routing number and your account number, and that is a way that's not safe anymore. That's right. Uh, Liz, there's another website I'd like to give out to that could be helpful to any individual who has had an identity theft. It's uh, Center. Dot org, And uh, actually, I read about that in Consumer Reports. They uh, recommended that website as a source that will have a, a lot of information you would need if you think that your identity has been stolen. Well, we will have that website. We'll have the Attorney General's information listed. We will also have the uh, Secretary of State's information. We remind everyone to go vote. All of our laws, this whole show, in legal terms, that talks about our laws are made by our state representative and senators, which everybody is getting elected today. So we hope you will go out and do your civic duty and cast your vote. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. Everybody participate in democracy. Thank you, Kate. Thank you. I enjoyed it. That's going to wrap us up for today's In Legal Terms. Jay White, we appreciate you being our phone screener and our board engineer. I'm Liz Gill. Up next is our Tuesday Southern Remedy show, Relatively speaking, join us again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 